Welcome back to the Air It Out podcast. We are back recording again. Uh, we got a guest on today. Today's guest is Alex Kajawa. I've known him for a while now, roughly a few-ish years. Uh, he's a football player down at Carroll University in Wisconsin. He works for the athletic department at Carroll, and he's got a Cleveland Cavaliers job lined up soon. Uh, Alex, how's it going, buddy? Lucas, appreciate it, my man. Um, I've been seeing you around the Fox City Stadium with the Timber Rattlers for years and over at Menominee Nation Arena with the Herd, and we're, uh, you know our paths have obviously crossed, and um, I know you're a go-getter and, and respect everything you're doing, so appreciate you having me on here and excited to uh, talk a little football and, and some other things for sure. Yeah, good to see you as always. Uh, Alex, is, uh, you've been known for a long time. I was a huge football player too. Uh, he's a, from Wisconsin, but he's a huge, huge, huge Miami Dolphins fan. Alex, why, why are you a Dolphins fan, but you're from a place where there's no summer even? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, for me, kind of a crazy type of story or a random player that might maybe bring some throwback to some people. Uh, Chris Chambers has always been my guy. Uh, one of my favorite receivers when I was growing up, he was a, a Wisconsin Badger great, Tim and Lee Evans back in the day. Um, and I was super, super young. So I don't remember a whole lot of Chris Chambers as a Badger, but um, I remember back in the day, early 2000s, watching uh, the Dolphins play the Packers and Chris Chambers had a pretty good game. Um, and I remember, you know, them showing that he was from Wisconsin. And I also remember, um, I believe it was in 2000, the Dolphins played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving uh, Chris Chambers had a three touchdown game and um, I just remember that vividly and, and people talking about it and, and kind of through there um, you know I've just you know like a lot of young kids you kind of get drawn to their color scheme and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. I just wanted to be different so I've always uh, you know back to Dolphins you can't call me a bandwagon fan it's been uh, a long childhood only a couple playoff births with them but I think um, they've got the right management in place I think they got the right coaching staff and um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the pieces they've added as well, but uh, I think it's a real good time to uh, to be a Dolphins fan. Yeah, you definitely can't call you a bandwagon whatsoever. I remember uh, you and me being back in high school. I remember you being Dolphins fans. You were like a Dolphins hat to somewhere. I was always confused about, it, but I, I got it now. Uh, yeah, I might as well talk about their management. Uh, Dolphins obviously in a big rebuild for the past however many years it's been. But this year they got a lot of draft picks, made a lot of pickups. What do you what do you think of the draft this year for them, Alex? Yeah, I was fired up with the draft. Um, you know, the the biggest thing that I want to say about the Dolphins right now is I think this is the first time, like you mentioned, they've been kind of in a rebuild and um, mm-hmm. gone through the different process of adding some veteran free agents. I mean, you got the guys like Mario Williams over the years, and you know, throwing quarterback money at Indomitian Sue and kind of trying to patch together different problems. And I think they're really committed right now. And it's been unfolding over the past couple of years. But like you said, the draft, first and foremost, you land Tua Tungavailoa, um, the hopeful franchise quarterback. I think it was the gamble and the pick they needed to make as an organization. Um, you know, when you mortgage away the talent of, of Minka Fitzpatrick and a Laramie Tunsil and a cornerstone left tackle, I think, um, you know, you're going to be – taking a risk. And I think that's exactly what they did. They used those assets, I think, um, hopefully in the right way. And I think addressing tool right off the bat was exactly what they needed to do. Um, you know, and, and the biggest thing as well with that draft is I think a lot of people are maybe looking for some flashy picks with skill position guys, but they bolstered the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, I think Austin Jackson has a ton of upside, uh, had a little bit of a, I'm, I'm sure you've maybe heard his story with the bone marrow and his sister and 
didn't um, you know play at full strength this year with uh, with USC, but I think he's got a lot of upside. Super athletic, um, you know, ideal left tackle frame. And um, you know, you take a look at Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette. He's a mauler. They're building the trenches there. They got Raquan Davis, D tackle, uh, big six seven D tackle from Alabama as well, um, and Solomon Kinley as well from Georgia at guard. So you kind of look at the theme of the the draft, and it's landing your franchise quarterback whose jerseys are selling off the wall, um, you know, before he's even stepped foot in the building, and you know, bolstering the trenches. So I think that's kind of their big focus with the draft, and um, you know, some other picks in there as well. Noah Igbenogany from Auburn at mm-hmm. corner. Um, he's super super athletic. I think that secondary can be scary with him, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe. And, and a whole lots of, you know, other guys who kind of emerge at the end of the year. But maybe a little bit of a long-winded response, but as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about uh, the direction they're headed. No, I respect it. I love that you're excited. I really, really like their draft. I mean, I was a huge Robert Hunt guy. I loved him. He's a giant dude. I feel like Louisiana Lafayette produced those guys. I remember watching one of their games in the middle of last season for whatever reason, and or watching uh, Raymond Calais, who I can't remember where he went to, but I remember watching the uh, hunt and seeing him just maul dude and just drive him off the line with ease. And I'm like, yeah. this guy's going to be a really good pick for somebody. And the Dolphins snagged him. Austin Jackson was a huge on, but he's a he's got a lot, a lot of upside, like he said. And I think he's not going to be an immediate impact guy like your Jedrick Wills or Andrew Thomas is. But I think if he hits, I think he'd be a quality left tackle in the NFL. And Tua, I was really high on. It was Joe Burrow, number one. I mean, I mean obviously Joe Burrow. But then Tua right yeah. below him, and like when they got him, like that's a great pick. Even when he gets hurt, I think the potential for him being a high end QB is there. You got to take that. I agree. You can't pass it up. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Dolphin fans, that I heard this all throughout the draft season. You know, there's the talks back when Nick Saban was the head coach, and they passed on Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and they for his physical. And Tua has been labeled by many as the left-handed Drew Brees. I mean, the talent, like you said, the accuracy. The leadership, I mean, him as a person for me is is so awesome. And, and I feel like he fits, you know, exactly what they kind of stand for as an organization. So I think him as a leader kind of be in the face and, and you know, hopefully, like you said, the health is obviously a concern, but I think the the ability, you got to roll the dice on that guy. You know, you got the fifth pick. Hopefully they're not picking this high very much. And um, hopefully they landed their guy that they've been searching for for so long. But I think that was a no-brainer and, like you said, Hunt's a mauler, and, and it's exciting. I mean, I think there's real optimism, um, you know, to be fully transparent. Having Tom Brady out of the division is really nice as well. I think uh, the Buffalo Bills are, are building something special, and, um, you know, they're, I think they've got a really talented roster, but I think the Dolphins are right there and, and doing all the right things. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of see how it unfolds. Yeah, I think the Dolphins did a really good job this year. I, I like the Dolphins' rebuild overall. I think this past season, I mean, I know they got stomped by the Ravens immediately, but I think the past season they were actually a quality team. They had, I mean, Brian Flores arrived in the scene in Miami last year. I think he did a nice job with that defense. He did a quality job with the offense. And you have Xavier Howard out there who makes a lot of risky plays, but he's still a quality cornerback. And they brought in Byron Jones this year and paid him a ton of money. Uh, I like where they're going with that too in the rebuilding. I'm a, I'm a big analytics guy, big stats guy. And I think – Addressing the D-backs is a huge, huge win for them. I think you look at a lot of data that PFF puts out there, a lot of data that all these other companies put out there, and it shows that coverage is huge, huge, huge value. And when you go get 
we already have a guy like Xavier Howard out there who is a top-tier cornerback in the NFL. And then you go get Noah Igbione. I know I butchered that name. I always, I yeah, the name. They're close. I butchered the name all draft season, all draft season. And then you get a guy like Byron Jones. So you get two high-end corners, and you got a guy who could potentially become a high-end corner. He has a great, great job by Dolphins uh, GM there. I would agree. I think you're spot on. Um, they're kind of taking on that model a lot of people, you know, talked about with the Patriots, and they've mm-hmm. always invested more in the secondary and, um, you know, not as much in their pass rush. And I think the Dolphins, Brian Flores has kind of taken that approach a little bit from his Patriots roots. And, you know, like you said, Xavier Howard is, is a solid – um, aggressive man-to-man corner, and he's going to get up and press you. And Byron Jones is ultra-athletic and jump out of the gym and, you know, long, lengthy press man corner. Noah Igbenogany, another guy who will probably be in the nickel, uh, you know, corner spot, but also have some outside and return game, you know, flexibility and versatility. I think he's another great scheme fit. And Eric Rowe um, was super impressive last year, transitioning mm-hmm. corner, to, uh, to safety, and he was really solid and productive covering tight ends. And I think you're going to see that approach. I think you're going to see a lot of DBs on the field. I think you're going to see a lot of press man from them. And, um, you know, they addressed a lot of different um, kind of by committee pass rushers as well throughout the draft and uh, free agency with the addition of Shaq Lawson and Equal um, Agba. So I think, um, you know, what they're doing, like you said, they have a vision. They really do. Mm-hmm. And they are leaning heavy on the analytics, like you mentioned, and um, you know, hopefully the the focus and emphasis on the secondary will pay off for them. Yeah, I think it really will. Another guy I was a big fan of, uh, who was kind of under the radar and flashed some nice plays, with Nick Needham for the Dolphins. And I was watching those games, and I'm like, yeah. he played really well. And I listened to the PFF podcast, and I pointed him out. And I went back and watched it again. Like he's actually a quality corner. He he came out of nowhere for the Dolphins. He wasn't like. This kind yeah. of guy, he had a lot of hype around him. He wasn't that at all, but he played a quality corner for them. Undrafted guy out of UTEP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at him, and it was crazy watching last year. It felt like their secondary was a revolving door. I mean, they I think they broke the record for the most, um, you know, active players suited up that played 150-plus snaps or something along those lines. But let's just say there was a lot of turnover. And right. he, a guy who I think flashed a lot, like you mentioned, um, you know, got beat a couple times like every corner does. But, you know, you look at him and he's, he's penciled. He's going to be fighting for a roster spot and battling for special teams, um, you know, opportunities. And it's just great depth in the secondary. So I think you look at a team that went from a lot of holes and a lot of question marks to a super competitive roster all around. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, this guy in L.A. named Troy Hill, and he's kind of a – they have Jalen uh, – What's his name out there? And the outside cornerback for them, they just traded from Jacksonville. It's oh, Ramsey. There you go. They have Ramsey out there playing the primary corner, playing those number one receiver. And I think having Nick Needham coming out there and being in a similar role to uh, Troy Hill, obviously he won't be the number one, number two corner. Obviously that's going to be reserved for like Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and so on and so forth. But having him out there playing the second primary guy or for teams running three receivers out there, having him be the third guy out there, you're going to get a lot more production out of him because he's not going to be your number one lockdown guy, just not in his skill set. He can be a quality corner, in my opinion. But putting him against a third guy in the uh, receiving depth chart for a team is going to boost his production even more because you've got guys like Xavier Howard taking pressure off him. you got guys like Byron Jones taking pressure off him. I really like the secondary they built. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, how do you – obviously talk about the draft or anything. What do you think about the free agency moves that the Dolphins made this offseason? Yeah, I think um... – 
you know, a, a lot of people were kind of coming in, not expecting them to break the bank. And I think the Byron move surprised a lot of people. And um, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Like we mentioned, their commitment to the secondary is pretty evident. And, um, you know, you're obviously rolling the dice and a lot of people are a little, you know, nervous about his lack of interception production and things like that. But I think, um, like you mentioned, when you look at the analytics and you look at the data, this guy was super productive, mm -hmm. you know, all over receivers and breaking up passes. And I think he's a really, really good scheme fit. And I think that's what Flores wants in his, you know, ideal corner. I'm not saying he's a Stefan Gilmore, but he's kind of a long, lengthy, athletic, quick corner who can, you know, hopefully play a similar skill set. So for that, I think that was great. And I think, um, you know, addressing guys like Ted Karras and the inside uh, interior offensive line and, you know, getting another Patriot, um, you know, former Patriot, but also productive veteran player, I think was good for cheap. Um, you know, I, I don't think they broke the bank, but I think you get guys like Shaq Lawson. I think you get a guy like Trent Williams, who is, uh, or excuse not Trent Williams, Eric Flowers mm -hmm. uh, from Washington, who was ideally labeled from a lot of people, you know, when he was at the Giants out at tackle as a bust. And he had a great year kicking inside to guard. So you get a guy like Flowers and Karras to hopefully bolster up the interior. I think Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba um, are solid players. You get a guy like um, um, Ruger Hill, I believe, from the mm -hmm. Eagles. Yeah, you linebacker, special teams captain. You know, Elandon Roberts, um, you know, another guy who's a super aggressive thumper, special teams body and another guy I keep, you know, keep going over right now is Kyle Van Noy. I was excited about that. I think oh, yeah. an ideal stand-up outside linebacker, yeah. edge rusher, Patriot kind of mold, and, and I think what they were missing last year. So I think you get a guy like Van Noy out there, Clayton Fedulum. I mean, the list goes on and on about these veterans that they got on team-friendly deals. And, you know, to sum it up, the best is they did not sign anybody who was over 30 years of age. So this is a team that has really kind of gone towards those bigger name, um, you know, past their prime type of veteran options to kind of be a Band-Aid. And I think they're investing in the youth, investing in 24 to 28-year-old, um, you know, guys who are coming off their first or second contracts and guys that are good for the locker room. I mean, good character guys and um, guys that want to be there. So I think, um, I think everything that they're doing is, is a clear – cut pinpoint vision as a team from top to bottom that they're committed to. And, uh, you know, it's exciting stuff. Like I keep saying. Right. Right. I agree with you. I think the one point that you really had on that I really, really agree with is the thing we mentioned talking about band-aids and how they just go after veteran players past their prime. I think when you're building a team, you want to build a team on a timeline almost. You don't want to just insert guys at random spots in a career because you're just going to get a mediocre team at best. But when you do yep. the Dolphins did kind of, where they all are on a similar timeline. They're all in their similar, similar age range. They're all going to develop together at hopefully a similar rate. And they're all going to come in together in their primes. I think it's really, really smart what they did, because you don't want these random just mishmash pieces here and there at random spots. You want guys who are going to come along at the same age or in the same timeline. It's going to increase your chances at just getting into the playoffs. I really like what they did. I mean – Byron Jones is a good point, too. People always address, like, oh, look at the interceptions he had. And I think uh, interceptions is a nice stat to have. It's always great to have interceptions. It's never bad to have interceptions. But interceptions comes a lot of style of play, I think. You can look at a guy like Marcus Peters. He's always going to have a lot of interceptions because 
That's how he plays. He's always looking to undercut routes. He's always looking to jump routes. That's how he plays. It's his style of play. But then there are guys who just kind of want to stick to the guy, who want to break up the pass, who aren't focusing on jumping routes and creating interceptions. They're focusing on playing tight coverage and, rather, and not getting too aggressive and having caught, being, being cautious. And Marcus Peters, you have a guy who just doesn't care. He wants to create that big play, even though he knows sometimes he might screw up and give up a route and give up a double route. And I think yeah. Byron Jones is a really good pickup. He's just a quality high-end cornerback that would work great at the Dolphins, I think. I think so, too. Um, it's exciting. I think right now I want to say Ryan Fitzpatrick's the only guy on the roster who's older than 30 years of age. So mm-hmm. they're a very young team. Um, there's certainly going to be hiccups along the way. I know I'm, I'm super optimistic. I'm not naive to think that there's not going to be bumps in the road. And with youth, is, you know, there's going to become mistakes. And yep, yep. There's going to be bumps in the road, but I think, like you said, their vision and their team-building model, um, I, I think, is going to set them up for the best long-term success, and that's what they're focused on right now. I don't think they're looking for a, a two- to three-year Super Bowl window like uh, you know, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are <laughs> right now with Brady and Gronk and company. They're looking for long-term success, and um, I think that's the, you know, where they're at as an organization, and um, you know, they're, they're following it to a T. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, before the draft actually happened, I wrote a Dolphins article, made a mock draft on them. I had them taking Tua. But one thing I really, really wanted them to take was a receiver, and not just a receiver overall. I wanted to take a receiver who can uh, create separation because of Tua had a lot at uh, Bama. He had guys like Devontae Smith who's still there. He had guys like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and the list goes on and on and on. But I think the Dolphins have it. They have a guy like uh, Preston Williams who's just going to go up in the air and good luck taking away from him because he's going to yank it out of the air. Uh, what do you think of their receiving core? How do you think it's gonna, they're going to fit with uh, Tua, essentially, is what I'm asking you? I would agree with you. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. On draft day, when we were at pick 17 and the Cowboys were on the clock and C.D. Lamb was still on the board, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of thinking of a Tua-C.D. Lamb pairing, and that's what I was oh, kind of nice. fingers for. But, you know, everything worked out the way it did. I like where their receivers are at. I think on a national scale, People aren't as maybe familiar with, with some of the names. But Devontae Parker last year, when healthy, um, you know, I get it was one year, but he looked like a, an alpha number one wide receiver mm-hmm. that's going to go pluck the ball out of the air. Um, you know, even some run after catch. And him and Fitzpatrick, I think Fitzpatrick trusted him a lot to, to go up and make plays. And he really showed that potential, um, you know, and, and I'm really excited about him being their number one I think a big name, like you said, that many forget about is Preston Williams. And I think Preston Williams has all the traits, um, like you said, to be, to be a dominant outside you know, wide receiver. I think um, his hands last year at times are a little questionable. But, again, he, he's kind of got a similar skill set to Devontae Parker, a guy that's going to go up and get the football, um, you know, shine in, in a lot of those games early in the season. I remember against the Bills, he had a couple – Really nice, you know, catches, had some, you know, great separation on his routes and it goes and packs the ball over the middle of the field. So I think you look at Parker and Williams, who hopefully will be um, returning from his torn ACL on time this season. Um, I like those guys on the outside. And take a look at the inside um, receivers. I was really hoping that they would go and address a slot wide receiver. But, um, you know, Albert Wilson last season, as he got more and more healthy, he was coming off a, a pretty devastating hip injury. As the year progressed, um, you know, routes got a lot more crisp run after catch. He kind of showed those flashes from the 2018 season again. So I think they're banking on, um, you know, Albert Wilson, who did take a team-friendly pay cut this year as well to be there. 
Um, another guy who I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen over the internet who is a freak is Jakeem Grant. Mm-hmm. And when Jakeem Grant is healthy and has the football in his hands, he's a dangerous man. So, uh, he, you know, he, he's been real um, outspoken on social media saying, I'm a wide receiver. I'm not just a return guy. A lot of people know him for his punt returns, kick returns. He wants to be a receiver, um, you know, short guy, five, six in stature, but one of the fastest, quickest guys I've ever seen with a football. So I think Jakeem Grant can be dynamic in their offense. Um, so you look at those two guys, got a guy like Alan Hearns, who I think is a respectable wide receiver in the league. Um, you know, he, he's certainly not a, a predominant number one, but I think he was reliable last year. Um, you know, learned it quick, uh, picked up on the offense super quick. So I think he was productive. You got a guy like Isaiah Ford as well, who, um, you know, got, came into his own, had a huge week 17 game versus, uh, versus the Patriots. And, one dark horse sleeper that – a couple of them that I want to, to mention is Gary Jennings. They picked up um, – he was from West Virginia. They picked him up off Seattle. Apparently there's some buzz with him this offseason. And then my big deep sleeper uh, to keep an eye on is Kirk Merritt, undrafted wide receiver out of Arkansas State. He put up monster numbers, um, you know, bounced around throughout his college career. Mm-hmm. Or why he transferred, but he moved from, you know, Oregon to a junior college over to Arkansas State. And – this is a guy who's a freak. I mean, he showed a, I think a 61 inch box jump, um, you know, working out. He's got all the athletic traits, I think, to be successful. And I think he could be, um, you know, this year's Preston Williams, a guy who, you know, came from an undrafted school. Preston Williams came from Colorado state and emerged maybe Kirk Merritt's the the next undrafted guy, um, you know, diamond in the rough that they find. But like you said, um, you know, for me, I was really hoping they'd take a flyer on somebody, maybe day two or day three with all the draft picks they had. But um, I think Flores and Chan Gailey and those guys are very comfortable in the you know wide receiver core they have. And it's not super, super well-known to the outside world, but I think uh, there's going to be some guys that are going to flash this year, hopefully, and, and, and catch the attention of the, the national media. Right. Yeah, I definitely don't dislike the, what they have at Miami Dolphin receivers. I like Preston Williams a lot. I was talking about him last summer, and I liked him a lot. I think he's got a lot of quality traits that you can win at the NFL level with. And I think a guy who not people are talking about a lot, you talked about him right now, is Albert Wilson. Because I think Tua, what he loved and what he was really, really good at was putting guys in the right spot and letting them get to go to work after the catch. I think Albert Wilson, you can see that a lot with him. Because, I mean, look at yeah. Tua, they had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Jewett, Devontae Smith, and he put them always in nice situations to create after the catch and put, led them perfectly. It wasn't just he hit him in the chest. It was he hit him in stride, and he allowed them to create after they catch and allowed him to create a lot of rack opportunities. And I think you're going to see a lot of that with Albert Wilson, and you can see a lot of that with Jakeen Grant. I know he's, like you said, a lot of people see him as a return guy and his athletic freak of nature, but I think that athleticism can contribute a lot to the NFL level, level if your offensive coordinator and head coach get creative with you. And I think that's what you could see with Grant possibly is using him in interesting sets, using him in motions, using him at the slot receiver and crossing short routes and getting Tua just to throw to him and letting him go to work after the catch. It's going to create, open up the offense even more and open up for guys like Devontae Parker downfield, open up for uh, guys like Preston Williams downfield. I think what they have there is a really interesting set they have around Tua. And I was obviously talking about how I'm not a big fan of it. But I, I don't hate it whatsoever. I think they have a lot of pieces around Tua in the receiving game that can really help open up the uh, receiving game as, in general just because who they have there. 
can work from the slot with Elbert Wilson, can work with the slot with Jakeem Grant, and guys on the outside are going to thrive off of that. I would agree. Like you mentioned, Tua, um, you know, is best known for really getting that ball out quick and, like you said, hitting guys in stride. Like you said, I mean, I think back to 2018 um, versus Chicago Bears, Elbert Wilson put on a clinic run after Mm -hmm. Cat. If he can get back to, you know, three quarters of that type of player, I think he can be a really, really nice piece with Tua. And, um, you know, another thing to consider, too, with Miami is moving forward, they've got a couple first-rounders next year as well. And, you know, next year's wide receiver class is, is loaded as well. So, you know, they could add another piece there and um, kind of see how these guys unfold this season. But I think, um, like you mentioned, there's a lot of sleepers in this room, a lot of people that might not catch the eye of, of the people on the outside. But I think it'll be interesting. And um, I'm curious, I don't know if you're going to, ask the question here later, but what are you, you know, what are you thinking with the quarterback situation this year in Miami, um, you know, with Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen and Tua, I guess, um, what do you kind of think is going to happen? And I can kind of get my insight on what I kind of see the the timeline looking like. Yeah. So it wouldn't, I have a couple of things in mind that I've been thinking about this quarantine season. Uh, obviously there's Tua, Josh Rosen, Fitzmagic. And Fitzpatrick wasn't really bad at all last year for the Dolphins. I think he was a quality quarterback. A lot of people just think of him as kind of a joke because of his big beard, his, his YOLO balls all the time, and just his personality. Yeah. But he's actually a solid quarterback. He's not bad whatsoever. And he did better than Josh Rosen did last season. He showed that he can be a quality quarterback. But the question does come down to it. If if that one game, he could, it's a matter, he could play three straight games in a row of 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, and I could you could clearly be a good quarterback. But when that one game comes or the one half comes of, oh, he's not good, or because it's going to come no matter what, as it happened to Fitzpatrick, if they decide to use him as a starter, it's going to come to it where people are going to go, we want Tua. No matter what happens, it's going to come to the point yeah. where it's, we want the rookie, we want the guy we picked in the top five, we want to see what he can do, no matter how good Fitzpatrick does. I think the fan base is going to come to it. Maybe the coaches won't come to it. Flores, Gailey, they're going to go, we like Fitzpatrick. We want to give Tua a year to learn the playbook, learn the system, get accustomed to NFL offenses, get accustomed to NFL defenses and the speed of the NFL. But I think what might happen if they choose Fitzpatrick or Rosen is we want the end of the fan base, the Dolphins fan base, is going to go, we want to see Tua. We, we want our guy out here. We want the guy we took early on. We want to see what he can do, no matter how good the guy is. One bad pass is going to end up the whole – stadium is going to go we want Tua I mean I I really like Tua a lot I wouldn't be upset either way if I had to choose one guy right now I'd lean Tua but I mean what do you think about this yeah I think um, a lot of the points made are are 100% you know correct and I think the Dolphins fan base already just seeing Tua jerseys flying off the shelves and being Mm -hmm. one and two selling jersey on NFL shop there's no doubt that the hype is you know unlike anything we've seen so um, mm-hmm. they're going to want him to play. But I think the way I look at it is this, you know, they're bringing in a guy, Chan Gailey, who has five plus years of experience with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you know, in Buffalo as well mm-hmm. as in New York. So good point, good point. been with him a lot. Um, you know, this is a very, very unique off season, not a lot of on-field instruction. In fact, none so far with two, um, you know, obviously they've got their zoom meetings, but I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has the ultimate leg up, um, you know, early on, just knowing the offense, being comfortable in this locker room, um, you know, ultimately having health on his side right now. And 
I think, um, you know, the biggest thing that they need to be smart with is, is just making sure you don't rush Tua onto the field, but also to the point, if he's 100%, um, you know, and he can't get any more healthy, and if he's the best quarterback in that room, then I think he's got to play. But, you know, for me, I think looking at it early on, I would be, if Ryan Fitzpatrick did not take the field as the week one starter, I would be stunned. I think it's his team early on. Um, I think he earned that last season and, and kind of being the glue that kept that thing together. And, um, you know, he was their leading rusher. That's, that's mind boggling to me that he was their leading rusher and, um, you know, made a lot happen with a lot of different guys out there, you know, different offensive line every week. And, um, you know, like you said, I think a lot of people label him as a gimmick uh, and he's certainly not the long-term option, but he's a quality NFL quarterback. I mean, you don't stick around for 16, 17 years if, uh, you know, you're, you're not doing something right. So mm-hmm. I think Patrick is the perfect bridge quarterback for Tua. Um, I think it's got to be Ryan's team early on. And, um, you know, if Tua's healthy enough and hips feeling good and, and he's flashing in practice, then I think, um, you know, ideally maybe towards the end of the year, you get three, four, five games out of him to, to kind of show what he's got. But, um, you know, for, you know, looking at this, I think, the Dolphins, you know, heading into this season, I think they're a, a seven and nine to eight and eight football team. Um, that's kind of my projection. And I think, um, you know, all things considered, moving forward, they're going to be into the 17 game schedule. I think they can be an 11 and six, 12 and five team just like that in 2021 if they continue to, to go on the projection they are and add some more pieces next offseason and, and in the draft. But, um, you know, for me with the quarterback room, I think it's, it's Fitzpatrick. And, um, you know, I think Tua's going to be hopefully the guy towards the tail end of the year. And, you know, you just look at a guy like Josh Rosen, I feel for him. Um, I think it's been two really difficult situations for him, two, um, you know, seasons and organizations that were in a clear rebuild and didn't have a a great offensive line in front of them, not a whole lot of weapons to work with. And, um, you know, he's kind of overlooked and, I know that there's people that have talked about the the Dolphins receiving, you know, trade calls from different teams and it'll be interesting. You know, they've got him on a cheaper deal. I think Josh is going to be a guy who wants to prove it, um, you know, that he can gut it out through a situation. I don't think, uh, you know, he's been kind of scrutinized throughout his career for being coddled or, or, you know, things like that. There's a lot of kind of negative stereotypes with Josh Rosen, but um, you know, for me, I respect him. I think he gutted it out last year. Uh, I think he learned a lot from Fitzpatrick and um, I don't think his, you know, situations in Miami, but I really do hope, uh, you know, for success with him. And um, what a tough situation though, for the, you know, first two years, it's a lot of adversity that, you know, he's faced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, really think it's going to be interesting there in Miami. Uh, Josh Rosen, I, I liked him a lot coming out of uh, UCLA. I think he showed a lot of promise but that situation he got in Arizona where there was pretty much no offensive lineman there who could block for him. And he had no weapons there who could help him out. Even the slightest was just, it was a crap situation. And uh, I I really think it's going to be interesting to see what Miami does here because they got so many different routes they can go down. They can go down the Fitzpatrick route and have him play for them and leave Tua down on the bench. They can throw Tua into the fire immediately in week one, have him play for them. Uh, What would you think of just getting to me? What would you think if, the uh, Patriots, excuse me, the Dolphins just played the season. Fitzpatrick as a starter didn't bring two in no matter what. Say Fitzpatrick got hurt, they left Rosen in just to tank and not tank another season per se, but just punt on the season almost. 
play it as like a six and ten, seven and nine team, and get like maybe not Jamar Chase, but maybe Jamar Chase, Devontae uh, Smith, Rondale Moore, or another like a weapon for tour yeah. the upcoming season. What would you think of that? If they did that. Yeah, I I would be fired up to have one of those three guys in Aqua and Orange next year, and I really don't think that's out of the ordinary to think that. Um, you know, that scenario that you just mentioned could happen. I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as people think that Tua is going to see the field this year. I think, um, you know, for the Dolphins, as I've mentioned a couple times here, this is a long-term investment as an organization. I don't think, um, you know, it's now or never this year. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I mentioned, is a guy who's very familiar with Chan Gailey's offense. Um, I think he's going to be a quality quarterback. You give him a decent offensive line in front of him, um, you know, a little bit better run year I think he can be productive with them uh and, and the weapons that they have around him and um you know if Fitzpatrick goes out there and plays good football um I I think he's gonna stay on the football field I think Brian Flores is a huge Ryan Fitzpatrick fan I think he respects his game um his leadership and um I, I don't think it would be crazy to think that Josh Rosen would come in again if um you know things go south like you mentioned I, I would not be surprised if they keep Tua um you know on the bench and Ultimately, throughout the draft process, they, they obviously did their due diligence, but they haven't been able to get him in the facility yet to kind of see what that hip looks like and how the whole situation is. And, and maybe they've got a different vision than, you know, the public does. So like you mentioned, I don't think that would be shocking. Um, a 6-10, and 7-9 competitive season, uh, you know, building and, and, you know, continuing to put an emphasis on the future, I would not be broken up about that. So um, like you said, I think that's an, actually a pretty likely scenario that a lot of people might not talk about. Right. It's, I mean, this whole coronavirus going on, obviously everybody's stuck at home. I see Wisconsin, we're all both from Wisconsin. Wisconsin's opened up more, but everybody else pretty much is just stuck at home. And obviously Zoom calls can help out a lot. We're learning the playbooks, talking to coordinators, talking to your coaches, but there's only so much you can do with a Zoom call. There's only so much learning you can do without getting on the field actually. And you need to be able to get on the field, work with your receivers, work with your offensive line, build that chemistry, build that camaraderie, build that leadership with your team. And I know I'm a huge analytics guy and leadership, leadership can be measured and camaraderie and charisma and all this can be measured. But it's a huge factor, I think, in learning in the NFL game and the speed of the NFL game, the speed of these receivers, because, and speed of the defenses. Because even in the SEC, when you're playing SEC defenses, who are some of the top defenses in college football and who put NFL guys uh, – put team players on NFL rosters, the defenses in the NFL are just completely different because they get way more creative. They get they're way faster. They're way bigger and way stronger, and you're not able to outrun these guys. Like, Tua is able – he's not the most athletic, extremely athletic guy in the world, but he's athletic. And he's able to outrun these defensive tackles and linebackers kind of and run these, outrun these edge rushers. But in the NFL, you could come into contact with a 300-pound edge rusher, and you're not going to outpace him sometimes because these guys are just freaks of nature. And yeah. you've got to get on the field at some point. And it's going to be really interesting to see what the Dolphins do in the situation where they can't get their number five pick on the field. So are they going to go with one of, the, one of Josh Rosen and Fitzpatrick, or are they going to go, screw it, we need to get our guy on the field. We believe in him this much. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Excuse me. One other thing that I forgot to take into account is this whole storyline thing. And obviously storylines get built by media members and everything, but I think no matter if media was here or not, Tua is a top five pick and it's different than having say a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder as your backup right now. 
he clearly is the guy the Dolphins want. He clearly showed the Dolphins that they are – Dolphins showed them, showed everybody in the NFL scope, they love Tua. It's not like a Jacob Eason or a Jake Fromm where they took him middle rounds or like, uh, we, we like him, we don't love him, we see some things, we, yeah. we see a lot of things we don't like. They clearly showed, we want this guy and this is our guy. So it's going to be interesting to see a storyline build up and build up and build up. A hundred percent. I think he hit it right on the head. I mean, he's their guy. That's their mm-hmm. And that's who they want long-term under center. So like you said, you know, do they end up getting them on the field sooner rather than later? Do they kind of, like you mentioned, you know, maybe punt on that idea for a season? I have no idea. Um, you know, the, the coronavirus and the lack of, you know, intel with building, I think that's exactly what they want right now. I think they like kind of having their cards, um, you know, hidden away and for the media not to really know. So we'll find out sooner rather than later, hopefully. But um, like you mentioned, it's, it's a heck of a storyline. And I think, um, you know, the quarterback room that they've got assembled with these guys, um, you know, Fitzpatrick Rosen and, and Tua, that's the best room that they've had in a very long time. So, um, you know, it, it's a good problem to have, I think, right now. Right. Uh, we got our Dolphins talk out of the way. Let's talk a little bit about outside the outside of Miami uh, Dolphins scope. Uh, a lot of things going on in Dallas right now. Obviously, Dallas built on, they got CeeDee Lamb. Marty Cooper, they just resigned uh, Ezekiel Elliott for that massive, massive contract. Uh, Chris Sims recently put out a tweet saying to uh, to uh, excuse me, just talked about to uh, another QB, Dak Prescott wants a ton of money, uh, forty-five million in his last contract. He wants thirty-five million in most of his years. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. And then obviously you got Rapport shooting down saying no, that's not true. Yeah. But even if it's not necessarily true or one hundred percent accurate. I think there's coming from some sorts of accuracy. I mean, obviously it's not the exact number. Obviously Chris Sims probably got it wrong, but one side or the other, there's some sort of truth in it. Maybe it's not 35 million exactly. Maybe it's like 33 or something very high. It's clear that Dak wants to get paid and get paid big. One sense of the one set, one way or another, he wants to get paid in a big way. What do you think of this whole situation where you had team Dak, you think you should pay a lot of money. Team Cowboys, or anything, or what do you make of this all? Like you mentioned, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and it's it's super super difficult. Um, you know, I think you take a look at that Cowboys roster right now; they're in a different spot than the Dolphins are. I mean, they're committed to winning now; uh, they're contending for a division, and um, you know, it's it, it's interesting. I think it's you know the the whole team building argument to do you pay a running back do you pay a quarterback i i truly believe them paying ezekiel elliott first um kind of made this a difficult situation if you will and um it, it it's such a hard argument i think dak prescott is a quality nfl quarterback um you know but the difficult thing for dak is he doesn't have that many signature wins under his belt mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have maybe the playoff accolades and, and, you know, that type of production on his resume as of now that might warrant a team feeling comfortable to pay him that type of money. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be real comfortable paying him 35 plus million dollars a year. That That's a huge, huge, huge commitment. And this has got to be your guy. And, um, you know, I'm not saying he's a Derek Carr. He's, he's a trend uh, or a couple levels above Derek Carr, but you know, he's kind of teeter tottering between, that franchise quarterback and, and above average quarterback level. And it's, it's, I think the toughest, um, you know, projection right now, I don't know 
what the rest of his career is going to look like. And um, it's so difficult. I mean, with, with the salary cap and it, it really is, um, you know, it, it's a science to try to get that thing to balance. And, and like you mentioned, am I on team Dak? Am I on team Cowboys? I don't know. I mean, I want to see another year of Dak Prescott and, um, you know, does he take the franchise tag? It certainly doesn't look like it. And I don't know where they're going to go with this. It's a new head coach for him. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy's coming in there and, um, you know, how much was Jason Garrett the problem? Was he the problem? Is Mike McCarthy going to bring more, um, you know, is the addition of CeeDee Lamb and um, Amari Cooper, you know, obviously who's been there, um, how much is that going to help him? I don't know. But my, you know, way to kind of sum it up in, in my opinion is with a lot of these quarterbacks, um, you know, do you want to have pieces around you and do you want to have a quality roster or do you want the majority of, of the pot and the, and, and the pie and the money? And, um, you know, for Dak, if you want to have a great legacy and if you want to win, I think um, you might have to, to give up a couple billion dollars and, um, you know, kind of be in the lower $30 million range and, um, you know, allow them to surround you with the talent so you can win as an organization. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to the player. Just do you want to win, um, you know, and have more guys around you or, you know, do you want the money that, you know, for a lot of these guys, they rightfully deserve. So super tough situation. Um, you know, for me, I'm not willing to pay Dak Prescott over 35 million a year. Uh, if I was constructing a roster and, um, I'm not sure the Cowboys are either. So that's why we continue to be in a stalemate, but I'll tell you what, I can't wait for them to hopefully come to an agreement because, uh, I'm sick of seeing this on first take and NFL network every week. I'm, I'm looking forward to them, um, uh, you know, coming to a resolution here soon. Right, right. It's it's interesting. I was debating doing an article. I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. I follow some uh, Eagles uh, Twitter accounts and like Michael Kist and Ben Solak, the Draft Network and all them. And there's a lot of people talking about who's better between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, we got Carson Wentz and his incredible uh, like sophomore season, I think it was, where he just destroyed the NFL. But then thinking, well, after that, he wasn't really – that guy, he was a little injury prone. He didn't see his field much. And he wasn't what he, he didn't do what he did. And then I look at Dak Prescott and I go, well, his first time we saw him, he just killed everybody. But then I go back and like, well, after that, he didn't do that great until Mari Cooper arrived. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. And I think what I came to the conclusion was these are both good quarterbacks. They're not bad quarterbacks whatsoever. But I think you hit it right in the nail on the head. Whereas they're not, they're, they're teetering on franchise and good. They're not, I lean more towards good on both these guys. I feel like the environment around them has really pushed them to be these known players. I'm, I'm, at first, I wasn't a huge Dak Prescott fan. Like, rookie year, he's going to come back down to earth, and he did kind of. But then he totally got better, he got better, he got better. And I think he's a better quarterback than what he was. But I think you're not going to be able to pay Dak Prescott the money he wants without sacrificing something on the back end. You're going to have yep. to cut somebody in that offensive line group that receiver group, somebody's going to have to leave in some form or another. You're going to sacrifice something big on defense, probably going to be two players because they don't have any huge contracts on defense yet. So somebody's going to get cut one way or another. And I'm not comfortable paying Dak Prescott that $35 plus million contract either. I don't believe he's that guy. I don't believe he's a top eight QB at the NFL. I don't believe he's like Mahomes or Prime Rogers or Prime Brady or any of these quad guys or Watson or Lamar Jackson. I don't believe he's that tier where you can go, we can give you that money because we know you can create something without that. We know you can go 
we can give you anything pretty much, not pretty much anything, but we can give you little compared to everybody else and you can still dominate the NFL. Yeah. I don't think he's that guy. And this is making things even more interesting now because the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton's not a bad QB. I don't th- I think he got no. a bad rap this past year in Cincinnati because he had literally no offensive line and I'm more receiver based than I am offensive line based in terms of NFL and team building. But having a horrible offensive line, you're going to get killed no matter who you have a receiver and vice versa. If you have horrible receivers, you're going to really struggle. But having one horrible or another, you're going to get killed. And it showed that he couldn't survive there without, even with a creative offense, even with quality receivers, he got mauled. And I think Andy Dalton's similar to Dak Prescott. I don't think he's as good as Dak, but he's similar into the fact that if you give him a good situation around him, if you give him weapons, if you give him an offensive line, he will thrive. And I think one thing that's they're squeezing Dak Prescott on more, for lack of a better term, is if you leave us and say he holds out, like with him, Levy and Bell, like Tony Brown and all this, they're going to yeah. go, we got a guy behind you who can take your job right now, and we're not even going to blink. Because he can survive with an Amari Cooper. He can survive with a Michael Gallup. He can win with yeah. CeeDee Lamb. And so it's going to be even tougher on Dak now that they got Andy Dalton. I think the Cowboys are thinking in back of their head. I think the Cowboys have the leverage. I really do. A hundred percent. The Cowboys in back of the head going, if you leave, we got a guy right behind you who can step in and play quality football. It's so You nailed it. You nailed it. I think, um, like you mentioned, Andy Dalton's a guy who's played in a super difficult division with Mm -hmm. his throughout his entire career in, um, you know, a lower level like Cincinnati with a guy like AJ Green and other, you know, weapons around him. But for the most part, you know, he made that franchise a lot more relevant. Um, you know, obviously now they've got Joe Burrow, but he made that franchise. Right. He was competitive. And Andy Dalton, um, he's a quality football player. And like you said, you give him a good situation like Dallas has gifted Dak. And like you said, if you want to stay off the field, they've got a guy that can go in there and win and be competitive. I think you nailed it right on the head. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it unfolds. But uh, if, if Dak Prescott's not on the field this year, I still think the Cowboys are going to be a good football team. Oh, 100%. Everybody forgets. Everybody looks at Dak, or not Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, and goes, oh, he's not that good anymore. He was never that good. And I'm taking my back of my head. I'm pretty sure it took him to the playoffs. And he was a, been a multiple-time pro bowler for, I know, pro bowling, I see, not as huge as it could be anymore, or not as huge as it's supposed to be. But he's still a quality player. And he showed he can be a quality player. It's just really interesting to see how this all unfolds out. Uh, one last thing before we get you out of here is, you like sure. any other off seasons that anybody had? Any? I know you're from Wisconsin, so you see a lot of Packer stuff going on around you. What do you think about the rest of the NFL? Yeah, the the NFL off season. I think, um, you know, just to, to put it this way, I think it's king. I love what they do. Um, you know, I think free agency is so much fun. Um, you know, and I, and I think the draft is so much fun. One team that kind of just caught my eye that I think is going to be really fascinating, I think the Denver Broncos are going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the addition of Jerry Judy. Uh, I, I love the addition of K.J. Hamler. I think they're, they've surrounded Drew Locke, um, who's another fascinating guy, uh, to see what he kind of you know turns out to be in year two. Another guy, tough division. But I think the Denver Broncos had a really fascinating draft. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what they do. Um, you know, obviously the Buccaneers are another team that's going to jump out and it'll be interesting to see what Tom Brady can do, you know, in a new environment and bringing his guy Gronk with him. Um, I think they've got 
a very, very underrated defense. Um, you know, maybe that some people don't talk about. A lot of people are obviously going to talk about Brady, but I like that Buccaneers defense. Um, you know, their front seven is, is pretty impressive and um, they've got a lot of weapons around him. So I think that'll be interesting. Um, but overall, I, I just think the NFL is loaded with, um, you know, a great crop of, of competitive teams. I think there's a lot of parity around the league. Um, I don't think there's that many teams that are head and shoulders. Obviously, you got a team the 49ers and the Chiefs who, um, you know, I, I think that they're going to be the teams obviously to beat, obviously because they're in the Super Bowl, but their, their rosters are very, very impressive. But aside from that, I think it's going to be competitive across the board, um, you know, and overall, I, I think it's going to be a great football season, whether there's fans or not, you know, we'll find out. But it's going to be a very, very interesting season to see kind of how some of these younger quarterbacks take the next step. And a lot of these older quarterbacks, you know, Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis, who's probably going to be on his way out soon, and Brady kind of getting towards the end, and Rodgers getting older, and Drew Brees, and you know, it's, it's very interesting, but I just think the level of quality quarterbacks, um, you know, in the league right now is at an all time high. I mean, when a guy like Cam Newton is still for whatever reason, um, you know, not on a team and, you know, Jameis Winston being a backup who still produced at a high level. I mean, I think the, the crop of quarterbacks and, um, you know, youth in the league is really exciting. So I think, uh, overall the shield's never been stronger. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're in for another good season. Absolutely. I was huge in the Broncos offseason. I wrote an article about it. I love Jerry Judy. I love KJ Hamler. I love Michael Ojemudier. I love Natani Muti, who's built in a factory. I think the Broncos killed the offseason, too. Um, Alex, thank you for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking Dolphins with you. Talked, enjoyed talking Dak Prescott with you. Uh, where can we find you? Social media? What do you unplug if you got anything? Yeah, uh, appreciate it, Lucas. And um, for me, We'll take a, a little bit different of a route. Add me on LinkedIn for anybody. I love LinkedIn. Um, that's my site. Alex Kujawa um, should be able to find me. I've got a lot of connections on there. Um, to plug me in here on social media, we've got at Alex Kujawa 17 just to verify, at Alex Kujawa 17 as a Twitter handle. And if we want to find me on Instagram, even though I haven't posted something in quite a while, uh, we're Alex underscore Kujawa 17. So those are the two sites. And, um, you know, for anybody that's looking to just talk football, um, you know, networking, breaking into the sports industry, uh, I'm super passionate about it. I know here I talked a lot about the Dolphins, but I'm super big into the business side of the sports industry. Um, you know, as Lucas mentioned, I'm, I'm joining the Cleveland Cavaliers organization um, in their program called the Foundation. So I'll be joining them through inside sales. Um, I'm very interested in the business side pursuing a, a hopefully a long career on the business side of the sports industry. So for anybody looking for networking advice and how to break into the industry or just simply wants to, you know, talk dolphins or bucks or Cavaliers or whatever we want to talk about, um, you know, I'm always down. So appreciate you having me on here, Lucas. Wish we were at uh, Fox City Stadium parking cars right now, but uh, hopefully we get back to normality here soon. And it was a pleasure catching up. Absolutely. All the Alex's stuff will be uh, linked in the description of all the podcasts. I'll put his LinkedIn, put his Twitter in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Alex is a great guy. I've known him for many years now. He's one of the most driven people I've met ever. He he has a very, very, put it, put it nicely, not nicely, but he's very stubborn and he gets what he wants essentially to put it nicely. Uh, but Alex is good having you on the podcast, buddy.
Appreciate it, my man. We'll talk to you soon. See you, buddy.